What's up, everybody? Hello, happy Friday. The weekend is upon us. Thank God. It's been a long week, man. A, a really negative, angry week on social media for a multitude of reasons. And uh, man, this shit's just draining. Anyway, we try to keep it positive over here. Let me uh, let me get myself set up. Oh, by the way, I opened up the phone line. So if you guys feel like calling in just to vent about some shit, talk about some things, whatever it is, um, go ahead and call, man. We got, uh, obviously, the local numbers here in the U.S. and in the U.K. Let me make sure I got the chat up there. Yes. All right. So uh, a few of you guys watching, make sure that you thumbs up the video, man. Give it an old thumbs up. And uh, we'll get the party started. So I'm going to go ahead and crack a brew. Now, I got uh, a little sampler here of some local brewery. This is called Sweetwater. I don't know if you guys can see that. Whoa, Sweetwater. I got, I don't know, they call this 420 Extra Pale Ale. And then we got another Sweetwater. And this is an IPA. Now, usually IPAs are dog shit. Usually. But... There are some damn good ones. This is a local brewery here in Atlanta. Let me look on the side of this thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is, yeah, right here in Atlanta, Georgia. So I'm trying to support support local businesses, all right? And it's Friday. It's time to, uh, to have a drink. I just had a rough workout today, man. Uh, rough, rough, brutal boxing workout. I put in uh, five rounds of jump rope, five rounds of shadow boxing, and then I did five rounds of ab work, five rounds of double end bag, five rounds of heavy bag, all out in the garage, the little gym that I'm building out there. I'm almost done with my speed bag, by the way. So that will be added very soon. But I use a weighted jump rope, too. So uh, all that in the heat here, man. Oh, we had, uh, we had a pretty bad storm today. But after that passed, it just got hot and humid out here. So I just had a brutal workout. Brutal workout, and I'm going to reward myself with uh, a local a local brewery beer. So anyway, guys, uh, get it going in the chat. Oh, we already got a call on here. Let me go ahead. Before I even sip my beer, I'm going to go to our first call. Anything goes, guys. I mean, we can just talk about anything. There is one thing, one subject I want to bring up, but I will in a second here. Let's jump to the phones real quick. Uh, 951, you're on. What's up, man? I'm assuming, man. Hey, what's up, Mike? How you doing, man? Oh, yeah. Dude, that is going to be a great fight. Please uh, tell everyone about that. Date, venue, everything that you can so far that you do know. Because that's going to be a hell of a fight. The fight is on the 7th. It's on the 7th. Hang on one second, dude. No one can hear you on the line. Let me make sure I got everything. So, can you guys hear him now? Shit, hang on, dude. I don't know. There's always something, man. <laughs> yeah, guys, there's a great fight coming up. And one of the guys uh, that's in the know and actually training with one of the fighters is on the line. But if I can figure out how this damn technology works. Uh, oh, my laptop wants to do a software update right now. So let me close this. I'm going to have to call Tiff up here, dog, because 
this thing don't want to work. <laughs> don't you just love it? All right, let's see. Technology, man. Dude, I hear you perfect. Uh, you guys still don't hear her? Nothing, <laughs> huh? Says, all right, That's hold on. I think I might have fixed it. Hang on. Guys, let me know in the chat real quick. You guys, can you hear? Go ahead and talk, Mike. Yeah, can you guys hear me? Testing, one, two, three. All right, they Testing, can hear you. Testing. All right, start from the beginning, bro. <laughs> start from the beginning. Sorry, okay, guys. So it's, <laughs> no, I just wanted to give a quick call. I got the alert to my phone that you were going live, and um, we had talked a couple of days ago just by a text about the um, the uh, Chon Cepeda versus uh, Ivan Baranchik fight. So I'm actually here right now uh, watching Chon train. He's training here at the Gladiator Gym. You came here, uh, uh, Mike, uh, about a year ago, right, when interview Molina here right. before his fight with um, That's a great little gym, man. Jose Everything Pico. you need right there. Yeah, well, it's private, so that you know that's the thing. That's why these guys are kind of in here working on now because a lot of a lot of the the more open to the public gyms are still kind of closed down around here. So, um, anyways, uh, um, it's going to be a great fight, July the seventh. It's a Tuesday coming from Vegas, and it's going to be in a studio type setting. Only the fighter and one corner man will be allowed. Um, so the corner man's going to have to kind of double as a cut man. It's just it's it's a very strange thing, but. Are any family is, members? Uh, he, what about family members of the fighters? Do you know? I don't think I, at this point they're only being told that they can have just the one fighter and the um, and two. just the fighter and, and one corner man. It's one corner man, not okay. even two corner man, just one corner man. Yeah, so, so one, two, um, second, maybe from na- yes, yeah, so maybe from now till till uh, the fight night, maybe something will change where they'll loosen up the the guidelines a little bit, but. Um, Anyways, Mike, I didn't want to take up too much of your time. Like I said, I'll try to get some footage and send it over to you. Um, uh, Chona's looking good. He did. Uh, he sparred six rounds yesterday. He's yeah. probably going to spar. I think we're going to spar again tomorrow. Um, he's training here. You know, like I said, at Gladiator Gym. Where's looking his good, at? man. They're, Where's his weight at? Do you know? Uh, he's actually good right now. I mean, he's 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 probably in the probably right now in the in the low one fifties. You know, perfect. the fight's at one forty, so there's plenty of time. Yeah, no, and, that's perfect, um, man. He's uh for those of you that that, that that you know I know Chon in boxing circles here in California he's very very well known but on the national stage I think his his most recent big win was against Pedraza but you know um here's here's a guy that that the rumor has it and it's not really even just a rumor but he was a uh, he was one of uh, Mayweather's chief sparring partners for the Pacquiao fight and by all accounts every, everybody who was in the in the building. He gave Mayweather fits, you know. I mean, not to say that, it, and it, it is sparring, but Mayweather doesn't spar um, lightly. I mean, they, they when they spar, they spar there at the, at the Mayweather gym. They go so, hard, yeah. They go real hard because they, they go turn hard. the cameras off in there. Well, this is the guy. I remember, there was a majority decision fight with Jose Carlos Ramirez. That was back uh, last February. Was that last February? Yeah, that was in that was in his hometown of, uh, in uh, in R- Ramirez's hometown of Fresno. Yeah, as well. a lot of people didn't like that decision, man. So him going up against Baranchek, dude, that's a hell of a fight. I, I tweeted about that today. That that's going to be that's real diehard fight fans type of matchup. That's an awesome fight because people were bashing some of these matchups coming up in June, but if we start getting matchups like that in July, I also just heard that uh, Matrim's going to put uh, uh, Chocolatito against uh, Estrada in a unification fight. Probably in August or something. So we're going to get some good fights, but they're going to be uh, yeah. diehard fight fan kind of matchups, you know? Oh, yeah. And this one, like I said, uh, I mean, it's a Tuesday. I mean, I, I, I'm excited because, you know, what else is there to do on a Tuesday night, right? T- turn on the Dude, turn on ESPN and we're going to get a Tuesday and Thursday it's, it's, night it's, cards it's, it's, for like a month or so. 
Yeah, so it's yeah. going to be great. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll check in again, Mike, with more information, you know, once, you know, like I said, as it gets closer to fight time. But I'm, at, I'm actually happy to be here witnessing Sean uh, uh, getting ready for this fight because I think he's a guy that's um, he's really, like, you know, his two losses have both been very controversial. The Flanagan fight a few years ago in the U.K., mm-hmm. you know, with the dislocation of the shoulder. I don't know if you know about that one, but yeah. that was controversial. Should have been a no contest, but, you know, it was the U.K., and they changed the rules on the fly. But but it is what it is. He doesn't make any excuses. But uh, he he's a he's a he's a legitimate threat at 140. So I think the winner of this fight will definitely move on and maybe get that shot, uh, maybe for the vacant title if Ramirez does in fact move up. Like he's kind of I'm kind of hearing some rumblings that he may or may not move up, but we'll yeah. see. So. Yeah, dude, I, I love that matchup. Yeah, definitely keep me posted, brother. I appreciate you calling. Man. A- it was awesome. No problem. Have a great weekend and stay safe out there with the with that humidity, man. Don't <laughs> appreciate <laughs> don't, it, bro. Don't dehydrate on us. Uh, hey, man, I'm hydrating right now, brother. <laughs> Salute. Okay. All right, man. Take care, brother. Have All a good right. weekend. You Bye. too. Peace. So, guys, that was uh, Mike Mendiola, one of my boys. Who? Um, let me see. Make sure. Okay, no one else is on the line right now. Um, he works out there. Um, he, he trains with a few different fighters, but um, Gladiator Gym. John Molina's gym, it's probably, I want to say, an hour east of downtown L.A. Last time I was out there for the uh, Spence-Porter fight, I actually went out there and hung out with those guys one day. And I think you guys saw, I posted an interview with uh, John Molina because he fought on the undercard. And I've known Mike for a while. He's awesome, dude. He's a musician. Great musician. Really, really talented guy. And um, he's worked with several fighters out there. He's done a little bit of amateur stuff himself. And uh, anyway... Jose Zepeda going up against Ivan Baranchek. That is coming up. It was reported July 9th at first, but it's going to be July 7th. That's been confirmed in Vegas. And what Mindiola was just telling me is that uh, each guy gets one corner man. That's all they know so far. No fans, obviously, but also no media. And that has got some people in the media, boxing media, upset. And I, I saw a video recently um, – I think it was an IFL, an IFL interview, or it wasn't an interview. It was just like a live chat or something that they were doing. I don't know if it was on Zoom or what, but there was a few YouTubers on there talking about that and, and kind of bitching and moaning about the situation right now. And that, that just got me thinking because I should state, I mean, these, these guys are my peers. They work in the boxing community. So I, I want to be careful with the way I speak, um, but you know, some of them come came off pretty logical and reasonable and, and uh, humble, and some of them didn't. Some of them came off almost delusional and um, kind of arrogant. And um, yeah, I'm trying to think of the right word, man. Um, pre- pretentious, yeah, entitled, yeah. So I, it just—I don't know if you guys want to go into that and talk about that subject matter or not. If you just want to keep it just to the fights and to boxing, that's cool. But if you want to call in, guys, to talk, anything anything goes, man. I just um, yeah, I just wanted to get on here and chat a little bit. I missed you guys. And uh, just having a beer, man, Friday. It's been a long week, long, long week. And um, I thought it might be fun just to chat a little bit. So the phone number is right behind me. You got the uh, local USA number, local UK number. I know it's what, probably – Almost 10 o'clock p.m. over there in the U.K. That's not too late, guys. It's, it's, it's fucking Friday. So if you want to call in, call in. So I got a couple of you guys in the chat know the video I'm talking about here. Um, well, first off, let me go to D.S. Kennel's comment. He says, uh, Mike, 
Eddie Hearn stated he was meeting with the zone officials about the schedule. Have they released any info on the meeting? So uh, DS Kennels, when I was, I said earlier in the video, while I was having tech difficulties, go figure me having tech difficulties, (laughs) uh, that they're talking about a unification fight between uh, Chocolatito and Estrada later in the summer. I'm hearing August or something like that. So the zone is probably going to come back either in July or August, and they're going to probably have a couple of, you know, mismatch type of fights at first, like ESPN's doing. But one of the fights they're talking about getting to pretty quickly is that unification match at 115, which is an awesome fight. Let's be honest, guys. In the lower weight divisions, it's one of the better fights you can make. So this fight that's coming up on ESPN Tuesday, July 7th, between Zapeda and Baranchek. That is a really good matchup. Do not sleep on that. Both of those guys are going to come in in shape. And just the way their styles mesh, I expect that to be a really, really good fight. And then if a month or so later, we get a championship caliber fight, unification between Chocolatito and, uh, and Estrada, that's awesome. That's awesome. And that that's where that's going in the right direction. Now, Will I stay consistent? Are we going to get more of that? I hope so. But I will tell you guys this much. You're going to get pay-per-views over the second half, particularly the fourth quarter of the year. You're going to have several pay-per-views. That's just the way it's going to work. I I really do think now you're going to get Lomachenko in Lopez. I think you're going to get that fight. It's going to be pay-per-view. I think we already know they're saying you're going to get Spence and Danny Garcia I don't love that matchup. I don't hate it, though, either. Um, If it was on regular Fox, I'd like the matchup a lot. But that's going to be pay-per-view. And then it's still possible you get that third fight between Fury and Wilder. Of course, you guys know that's going pay-per-view. And there will be others. There's going to be other pay-per-views, too. So let's see. Um, So a couple of you guys in the chat, you know, I I think you know what video I'm talking about. I think it was uh, Michelle Joy Phelps was on there. Radio Raheem was on there. Um, the, the Coogan dude who I, who I don't know from IFL. I've seen him at different events chasing Eddie Hearn around, but I haven't ever talked with him. But I know Michelle. I know Radio Raheem. And then uh, Marcos Villegas was on there. And I know Marcus, Marcos. Uh, so I don't know if you guys want to talk about that because I thought in that interview they did bring up some good points. They did bring up some things that I agree with to an extent. But a few of them were talking about some things that I, I just think they were kind of delusional and uh, just came off very entitled and pretentious in, in a certain way. I thought Marcos, by the way, did a good job on the video. I thought he came off as the most reasonable of anybody in that group. Just to, and For those of you who haven't seen that video, it's on IFL TV. I think it's called, like, The Truth About YouTube Boxing or something. I, I, I'm... I don't remember the exact quote, uh, title, but that's something like that. It's over an hour long, and there were parts of it that were kind of cringy. There were parts of it that were a little too much um, in, in one direction, and I think there's going to be things that maybe some of them said that they'll want to take back. Hey, man, we're all humans. I've certainly said things that uh, I would, I wish I could take back. I've tweeted things. I've talked about that that I wish I could take back. So it's all part of being human, but I don't know how much you guys want to talk about that or not. Uh, As far as, you know, it it did get me thinking about this, and I do think you guys might be interested in this subject matter. Boxing media in general. I actually 
I saw a tweet. Who was it from? I think it was from Ring IQ, Julius Fox, I think, asking what makes somebody boxing media. And I retweeted that. I said, this is a good question. What do you guys think? And a bunch of you responded, and your responses were very interesting. I get asked that question a lot, and I don't know how to answer because I consider myself part of the boxing community. I think I've proven myself, you know, to that to a certain degree where I can say that with confidence now. Uh, I'm not an A-lister by any means or anything like that, but I think that, you know, I, I work with reputable platforms and I'm sought out for interviews and things like that. So, um, by the way, I just did a radio spot the other night. I posted on my YouTube channel. Please check that out. Also, on all the podcast platforms, please check that out. But as a guy who's inside that bubble, I don't always know how to answer that question because I have my own opinions, but, like, I'm biased, you know, because I'm inside that bubble. So so I don't know if it's fair for me to answer that question. Now, I have gone after and dissed and criticized certain elements of the boxing community, quote-unquote, particularly on YouTube, like the LDBC guys and stuff, because I, I, I just can't support people that are putting out extremist racial rhetoric or extreme you know, political rhetoric, um, that kind of stuff, or like conspiracy theories, you know, fake stories, fake news to try to get clicks, to try to get money. So I will go after that. That's not to say everyone who calls themselves part of the LDBC does that. Not, all, not everyone does that, but a lot of them do. And so, you know, I do go after that sort of thing. But, guys, you should know this. Like, and, and if you haven't listened to the episode of The Neutral Corner where T-Street Controversy was on with me, he was one of the first YouTube boxing guys. And it's one of the things we kind of delved into a little bit, but we focused more so on the LDBC side. But there's also other sides to this. So go back and listen to to my interview with, uh, or I won't even call it an interview. He was just on the show hanging out with me, as we've had a bunch of different guests on. And um, he, he kind of delved into that because he was around the YouTube part of it at that time. I was on the beat, you know, working at events during that time, just getting started there. But he was on YouTube. Anyway, how long has YouTube been around? I don't know, 15 years or some shit? You guys correct me if I'm wrong. I don't even know for sure. But... At the very beginning, when YouTube really started to become something, a real platform for media, there were only a handful of people talking about boxing on YouTube, right? So go back to, let's say, the late 2000s, just before 2010. And even at that time, like Twitter hadn't taken over. People still had old school flip phones. They didn't have smartphones yet. There wasn't YouTube Live or any of this kind of stuff, right? There wasn't the streaming technology wasn't anywhere near where it is now. So in that era, you had to record into a shitty camera. Not everyone had an HD camera and upload a shitty video on YouTube. It was a process. It took time. And there was only a handful of people doing that. So more channels followed. But over the years, it was the the people that kind of were in the right place, right time that stuck with it and kept doing it, that built up a big following. It got to a place where they had hundreds of thousands of subscribers because the people, you know, come and go in this stuff. People come and go. Super Chat Pledge from Chris Berger. What's up, man? I hope you're doing well. 
He says, thanks for giving us content. We are bored as hell. <laughs> hey, man. Cheers to that, Chris. Thank you so much. Get a beer, man. It's Friday night. Or get a, get a, a whiskey, whatever it is. It's kind of hot, though, for whiskey. There's Scottish people right now yelling at me. It's never too hot for whiskey is what they're saying. But anyway, guys. Oh, yeah. Chris has got a beer. Hell, yeah. That's it, guys. Friday, you know. Have some fun. But uh, where was I? So, okay. Where we are now, and I'm not going to delve into the whole history of this, but where we are now, there are only about five or so boxing channels that have, like, hundreds of thousands of subscribers, right, that are in that, like, what I would call the 1%. What do I always talk about? Boxing is a one percenter business. When I say that, yes, I'm talking about the fighters, but I'm also talking about the media. I'm talking about trainers. I'm talking about everyone involved in the business, Everyone involved in the business. It's a one percent of business. So that also relates to boxing YouTube. There's one percent of the boxing YouTube channels that have the bulk of the subscribership. I'm talking 200, 100,000 subscribers or more, hundreds of thousands, right? And I think all four people on this particular IFL video have that. So they're in rare company. They were kind of in the right place, right time, right connections, and did the right quote-unquote networking, with, I'll get into that in a minute, to get to that point. And now they're, they're the top people. Then you have maybe a 10% group that is some, you know, a few thousand, 10,000, maybe a, tens of thousands. You're kind of in that category where you're making some money, you have a presence, but you're nowhere near those other channels. And then you have the 90%, which is people that have 200, 300 subscribers. Their videos get that sort of viewership. And they're kind of unknown to a lot of people in the boxing community. So that's the way boxing YouTube stacks up. Now, somebody, it's already established. There's only so much boxing to talk about. This isn't the NFL. This isn't Major League Baseball. This isn't FIFA, you know, the World Cup, you know, that sort of stuff. To where there's massive followings. It's boxing. And particularly English-speaking boxing, there's only so much, right? Now, if you speak Spanish, then that's different. You're opening yourself up to a bigger community. But the bulk of the fights, a big, big majority of the big fights still happen in the United States. So English-speaking media, it, it's it's there's a bubble. There's a boxing bubble. Anyway... Someone like me, I'm never going to be in that 1% of boxing YouTube. That's why I don't call myself a YouTuber. I don't do this to feed myself. This is a supplement, an addition to what I consider to be my, my bread and butter, what I take the most pride in, which is my writing, my podcast, um, do, doing the radio spots and, and doing some occasional commentary, that kind of stuff. I try to be well-rounded. If you're just the people that were in that IFL video that were talking, some of them, not all of them, some of, again, one of them came off extremely logical and realistic, and that was Marcos, who I like. And I like everybody on there. I'm not trying to diss anybody or, you know, but some of them came off a little bit kind of delusional because I think what people don't realize is when YouTube first started and really blew up, the mainstream media, the corporate media, really didn't pay attention to it. They saw it as a place where kids went and made videos and shit, and some people made millions of dollars, but it was just a place where alternative news went to. The mainstream outlets were still eating really well. 
Now, because people are pulling the plug on their cable, no one's watching CNN no more. No one's watching Fox News. There's not even as many people watching ESPN. How many people did they lay off over the last few years, right? So more and more of these media entities, they're not, no one's watching cable. People are Netflixing. They're doing Hulu, Amazon, right? And they're coming to YouTube. Now, all of a sudden, these corporate media entities are freaking the fuck out. And they've gone and met with the Google officials over the last year or so, and they've made deals on the back end. And that's why you see CNN's channel, and I'm not saying this politically either, it's the same thing with Fox News. All of them, ESPN, Disney, which is a Disney thing, Fox, CBS, all of them, their YouTube channels, you go back and look at the views they were getting five years ago, they were getting slammed, killed by people like Fight Hub. Or you know someone like that. Now all of a sudden their ratings have shot up, and guys like me, independent operators, have gone down. My ratings are down across the board. Independent operators like me are down. Channels that have corporate backing and co- corporate money propping them up, their views are up. So it's obvious what YouTube's doing. It's part of the reason I think Joe Rogan told YouTube to go get fucked. And he went over to Spotify. Now, there's 100 million other reasons he went to Spotify. But I think he's smart enough. And as people around him, it's it's not Joe, it's the people around him. They're smart enough to see the trending. And they know where people are getting more and more fed up with YouTube. Anyway, the format for a four or five minute long interview worked on YouTube for a long time. And... A little guy, quote unquote, could make some good money. And so you'd see someone like Radio Raheem or whoever, MJP, go to a fight and or Ellie Secback's another guy. There's only a handful of them, right? And they go to an event and they go around and interview fighters. They interview people hanging around the event. Sometimes they'll get 20 interviews. They're two or three minutes long. Some of them might be five, six minutes long. And they post them all up on their YouTube. And that's how those guys ate for a long time. But how much of that could you have? How much of that do people really want to watch anymore? I'm seeing more and more backlash for that sort of content. There are people out there who want it. But during a global pandemic like this, during lulls in the schedule or or time like this where there's no boxing, if you only do one thing, if all you do is stick a microphone or a camera in someone's face and ask them questions – well, you got no source to, to feed yourself right now because you only do one thing. And you guys have seen all of a sudden everyone's doing a boxing podcast. Like several have sprung up in the last few months because people that can't make money any other way are like, well, shit, let me try doing a podcast. And they're horrible. A lot of them are really, really bad because these people aren't good at that. And they're good at one thing. Now, me... I look at people like Steve Kim, Doug Fisher, even somebody like Chris Mannix. They're more well-rounded. They can do interviews if they have to, but they also write articles, whether it's for magazines, websites, newspapers. They can be interviewed themselves. They do analysis videos. Look at like Ring TV. We don't just post. We have someone who does those interviews, and we post that stuff for the people who want that. But we also have guys like me that write articles for the mag, for the site. 
that sometimes it's a historical thing. Sometimes we're doing, we have lists, whether it's the, you know, the hardest punches of all time, the top heavyweights of all time, whatever. We have ratings. We try to do a little bit of everything to satisfy everybody. Because in a time like this, if you can only do one thing, you get exposed a little bit. So I do think that going forward, the media might change a little bit. And the tastes from fans, because you guys have now kind of had to do this reset. Everything was kind of running. The system was kind of running the way it was. Think of it like a computer, right? And then the shit crashed. And you had to take it to the computer doctor to fix that shit. And now it's going to reset. And it's going to reset. And there's going to be no media at the fights. No fans at the fights for a while. That's what you're going to get. And then that's slowly going to trickle back in. So you guys have gotten this reset. All the noise that was going on has gone away. And I do think some tastes might change. And the people that can only kind of do one thing are going to have to learn to diversify a little bit. And um, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's just to sit around and bitch and moan because promoters aren't letting you into events right now. What do you want them to do? You know, my show, I've kept my show going. I didn't do one last week because of the holiday. I told you guys that. But over the last two months, look at the guests I've had on. I've had fighters. I've had trainers. I've had promoters. I've had publicists. I've had other media members on my show, right? I didn't go to their house to get them to do that. I didn't meet them at some function where everything was done for me. I called people. I picked up the phone. I emailed people. I set it up the old school way through a publicist, right? That's what you got to do. So anyway, I just some observations. Let's see here. Robert Blake says, Montero has by far the best boxing show on YouTube. Thank you, sir. Salut. I appreciate that. Uh, some of you guys, ugh, I'm not even going to read that comment from USC Trojan Zone. I'm going to leave that one alone. Um, and look, I should state. This isn't to beat up on anybody. I don't want this, you know, this isn't me saying, oh, this person is this, that person's that. I'm just saying in general. I think sometimes people forget where they come from. And you have to realize that I talked about that 1, 10, 90, right? And I get it, guys. That adds up to 101. Just, you know, humor me. Okay, 1, 10, 89, okay, for you math geniuses. Hamed, yes, I'm taking calls. Oh, shit, I got someone on the line. Thank you, Hamed. Let me jump over and take this. I was just going to say, I think people forget they started it at 89 and have worked their way up. All right, let's jump over to the phones here, guys. Uh, 447, you're on the line. What's up? Hello, Mike. It's Hamid. I was calling. I was just wondering if you were going to take calls. Uh, yes, sir. How are you doing? Good, brother. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I thought I'd jump on because I wanted to ask a couple of questions. Uh, I know you didn't do a show this uh, was it on Monday, but uh, you went live today. I was going to say, uh, you know, in America, I think the landscape has changed for a while. Like in the UK, we still get a lot of guys from like the newspapers, like the Sun, Daily Mirror, and uh, I can't remember the what the other. I think it's Daily Star, something like that. Like guys like Jeff Powell, Gareth a. Davis. I think you're probably familiar. Ron yeah, Lewis, yeah. who cover who cover boxing and cover other sports as well. And I think they were they on a show on Box Nation a couple of years ago. I think it's called Boxing Matters. 
they used to come on there and talk to boxing as well. But these guys like white call from the classic old old school media. Where in America, outside Lance Pugmire, I don't think many guys I know write for newspapers. Like, uh, is that something that's like been a trend for a while? Like. Or do you think still uh, some people from certain newspapers uh, still uh, still cover boxing to a degree? They don't cover boxing regularly, Hamed. What I see is an occasional, uh, you know, article or something. Usually, if it's a a local fighter, you know, the, the local yeah. town paper will do something. I remember uh, being in Vegas for the first uh, Ward Kovalev fight, and I. At the hotel we were staying, at the fight hotel, we got the Las Vegas newspaper. I can't remember the name of it. But they actually had a big article in there about Andre Ward. And they called it something like, you know, the last American boxing star. And they talked about how he was an Olympian and all this. And it was actually jarring for me to see a newspaper with boxing, you know, a big yeah. article like that. <laughs> it does not happen very often. And you mentioned Lance Pugmire. He writes for the L.A. Times you know, L.A., of course, oh, yeah. is 50% Mexican-American. That's the largest boxing fan contingency in the United States. So it makes sense that the L.A. Times would cover boxing fairly regularly. But other than the L.A. Times, I can't think of another major U.S. newspaper that regularly covers the sport outside of, like, a hometown fighter. You're right, man. It's just it's yeah. a different different world. <clears throat> Yeah, and also uh, I think Lance Fugman now works for the Athletic, so I'm not. Oh, you're right. Sorry about that. Thank you for correcting me. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, there's actually, and you know what? That brings up another great point. The guys that replaced Lance are terrible. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know. They're terrible. Yeah, I think I know you talking about. You know who I'm yeah, talking about, right? I can't remember yeah. the name. There's one but... individual. I can't remember the name. Yeah, he's I, I know so you know. bad. I've seen, I seen some of his posts. I, I was going to say, I, I, like the, I like the idea why you guys were doing on UCN Live. I think it was uh, uh-huh. Steve Kim, Dougie Fisher. There's uh, a lot of guys. I think it's Dave Smith. Uh, a lot of these guys are following. I think it was someone from... The LA, I forgot his name. Was he? Uh, I uh, I forgot his name now. Um, it's from LA. Uh, LA Sentinel, I think. It's yeah, called. the oldest black newspaper in America. Yeah, he, he was uh, on, I, and then um, he ended up moving out of uh, California for a while. So that's the only reason. And then what was, was his name? I forgot his name. Oh, jeez! Now, now you're making me forget. Ken uh, Miller. Ken Miller. Yeah. Kenneth Miller. Yeah. Is it, yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I thought I thought you guys were doing a good job up there because some of you guys were writing, obviously, uh, what was it called for newspapers and and on on the internet or whatever, Ring Magazine. I thought that's that's like the more now uh, recently updated media, which uh, in a couple of I think decades ago there weren't as many media members who were writing on the internet or for like a uh, the Ring Magazine has been a long time, uh, been has been around for a long time, but. I'm pretty sure at that time, uh, I don't think uh, a lot of the guys were writing for Ring. Like you guys have uh, all, a lot of you guys are now writing for Ring Magazine. Excuse me. <coughs> I was just going to say, I thought that was a really good uh, idea, like what UCN Live was doing on YouTube. Because uh, right now, I think a lot of the channels online, I know they call themselves media, but 
I don't think they really meet you. I don't think many of them know how to write the article or cover cover sport in that aspect. Like, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, in fair, I got to cut you off real quick. Let me just say we got a super chat pledge here from Trent. Thank you so much, Trent. I appreciate it. He says, yo, Mike, thoughts on Derevyanchenko and Vajdek getting another title shot opportunity? Sergey never won a belt, but I'd give him the edge against Andre. Still rank both really high. I think they're both going to be in the title mix over the next 18 months. I don't see anybody jumping in line to get right at those guys. But, Trent, I do think they're both going to get another shot. I think Derevyanchenko, my only question with him, how is he going to be after that beating he took within that Golovkin fight physically? And Vajdek, how is he going to be mentally after that beating he took against Beterbiev. That's my only question with those two guys. But thank you uh, for the super chat. Uh, Hamed, yeah, man, look, UCN Live um, was an awesome idea. And unfortunately, the financial backers did not put their money in the product. And after a while, guys like, I'll just talk about myself, but there are other people there that got fed up with the situation where, you know, for me, I was owed a lot of money. I had done several yeah. of those 10 count shows. Remember I, I didn't just, I wasn't on there just as a panelist. There were several shows I hosted. I also hosted a bunch of them. And, um, you know, dude, you gotta pay, you gotta pay me. I got, you know, in the opening of this video, I talked about that, you know, the one 10 and 90 percentile here in the boxing media. And I was in the 90 percentile for a minute basically doing free work, spending my own money to cover events. And then I got up into that 10 percentile, and that's where I'm at now. And it's like, you got to pay me. And the, yeah. the, the people, they really had, I don't think they realized the platform that they had and the talent that they had associated. Because you mentioned the names. We had a bunch of different people with different perspectives from different parts of the media and different experiences in the media. And that's what made the, the 10 count and, and some of the things that we did at UCN work. That's why they were so good uh, and why we grew so uh, the quickly. Website was, I thought the website was good as well. Like, the website, we had website. great writers on that site. And, you know, I posted one or two articles and I never got paid for them. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm not doing this shit again. I'm going to write over here where they're paying me. And, yeah. you know, I can only get be told, hey, we'll get you back later. So many times. And that was the problem with UCN, dude. Or else, I'll tell you right now, if the financial backers were still involved, my role at UCN would be much, much higher than it was at that time. I would have been one of the top guys there because I was all in as long as they paid me. And UCN's profile would be very big right now in the sport. We were really, we had some huge opportunities and there were things that we were building toward, including studio, all kinds of stuff, dude. Was there any reason uh, that there wasn't enough backing in the end? Like at the end, it seems like uh, there's too like uh, there was. What was the word? Uh, there wasn't uh, financial backing, and also the the guys working didn't seem to be fully committed to what they wanted to do at, at the beginning. Because, well, so the financial backing was there again. I'm not going to name names, but there are several people that were the executives. There was two sides to UCN. There was the quote-unquote talent, the people in front of the camera, the writers, and then there was the production people, and then there was this executive level. And the executive people actually worked with a certain uh, TV network, a uh, channel, a uh, network, 
And they were using production people from there to produce everything. That's why everything looked and sounded so good. The production people were getting paid because you're always going to have to pay the people doing your sound, your editing, or your, you're not going to get your video edited, right? So they were getting paid. And what they told the quote-unquote talent people was, we're going to get you guys back once money starts rolling in and we get some sponsorships. The executives, I'm just between us, they're, yeah. they're millionaires. These people have money. They're people from Hollywood that produced major blockbuster films. These are people, if I mentioned their names, you guys would know their names. If I mentioned the TV, I should say movies and TV shows. These guys worked at major studios. So these guys had the money. They just were not as passionate about the project as we were. And they didn't understand how to use social media to get the advertising coming back in. They wanted to do advertising the old school way. They should have hired a social media person, paid them 50 grand or something to pump that side of it up. The, their Twitter game, their Instagram game, all that was horrible, horrible. And yeah. that's ultimately what did us in. The money was there. I was just going to say, yeah, I was just going to say one last thing. What about, like, I think they ended up getting about 30 thousand subscribers so i think the videos were doing good as well what about um oh, what was i gonna say i lost my train of thought i was just gonna say what was the actual reason why the was it because of the like uh you said because of the stuff or was it just a lack of interest for boxing i don't know man i don't know if it was so well you know what it was okay there are two founders, and I'm not going to mention one of them, but I will mention the one guy, Damon Bingham. His father, oh, yeah. his father was Muhammad Ali's personal photographer. So Damon grew up in boxing. Everybody knew him. Everybody knew him. Wonderful guy, and he's who gave me my chance. It was actually Steve Kim talked to Damon on my behalf and said, hey, there's this kid who's a hustler. He does a good job. Give him a chance. And, and Damon and his business partner met me for lunch. And um, long story short, Damon put me on and put a couple other people on. Damon was the boxing vision. His friend was the money vision. <laughs> Damon Bingham, oh, unfortunately, passed away. And when yeah. he passed away, UCN died. Because the guy that was pumping in the money... He just didn't give a shit about boxing as much. He just, it wasn't his pet project. He was helping his friend Damon out and they were doing it together. And that's why it fell apart. When Damon died, UCN died. That was it. All right. Yeah, I, was, I, I remember what I was going to say. I, I was, I, everything you said, I remember when that all happened. I was going to say, uh, did you have any like new ideas, like any suggestions where you were going to do with the show? Like, for mine or for, you, have, for UCN? Oh, UCN, yeah. Oh, dude, I had all sorts of ideas. I was working on me. I, I would be on the phone with Damon, and he'd be drinking the beer. I'd be drinking the beer, and we'd be talking shit together. <laughs> and I told him about ideas I had, and he was like, that's awesome. He was open to a lot of them. And one of them basically, you know, I do a weekly show, you know, The Neutral Corner. It was basically oh, doing yeah. something like that there, live in a studio, a real studio, TV studio, which – they had access to. This would have been on par with Jim Lampley's The Fight Game. I mean, we were planning yeah. some big shit over there. And 
it would have required me driving from downtown to Santa Monica on a Sunday night or a Monday. We were figuring all the logistics out. But I wasn't going to go that far until I saw some things financially change. But Damon Bingham was on board with all that stuff, dude. I'm telling you, we were on, we were set to do some big things. But when he passed away, unfortunately, all that stopped. And that was it. Yeah, that, that's a shame. I, I thought you, you had a good concept. And it seemed like it was a very, very, what's the word, very good idea what you guys were coming up with. Uh, I, I was going to take off. Uh, thanks for taking my call. It's good talking to you. And I'll catch right. you soon. All right, Hamid. Have a good night, right. brother. All right. You too. All right, so uh, I see a super chat pledge from Billy Falco from Nashville checking in. What's up, man? Thank you so much, brother. He says, yo, I hope you're well. Always love your content. I appreciate that, Billy. Man, you know, Tiff and I were looking so forward to coming out there for the Nashville Marathon. That was supposed to be in April. We're going to come check check out your gym and everything. And then the Covida <laughs> got canceled. So they actually hit us back and asked us, do we want to do the Nashville Marathon next year? Next, they gave us that. They did not refund us for our registration, mind you. They said, we ain't going to refund your shit, but you could do the Nashville Marathon next year, or you could do one of these following ones coming up. And I, there was several of them that looked interesting, but with the COVID situation, I don't know if I wanted to go to those cities. One of them was Savannah. That looked good. Then Tiff and I were like, all right, that's the same distance as Nashville. Let's do that. So we're going to do the Savannah Marathon instead. Either way, bro, we're going to be out to Nashville sooner or later. And uh, when we get out there, we'll come check out your gym. And then uh, maybe later on we'll get a beer or something. I'm looking forward to that, man. All right. So uh, any other calls? Not right now. Okay. So let's see here. Uh, a few of you guys say you love the 10 count, UCN Live. <laughs> USC Trojan says, I remember I had the UCN song stuck in my mind. Dude, yeah, our intro, our little intro song, it was pretty cool, that little graphic. Yeah, man. Yeah, the great Howard Bingham, Damon's father. Yeah, he was really close with Muhammad Ali. So Damon Bingham basically grew up around Muhammad Ali. And he was good and, and he was real tight with a lot of boxing people. Anytime he wanted to get, anytime you wanted access to Mike Tyson, Damon could make that happen. Anytime you wanted access to several guys on that level, Damon pick up the phone. Oh yeah, yeah, here's Mike right here. He was on a first name basis with everybody, and um, I'm telling you, man, he had some visions, and he was cool with bringing on young guys like me with my ideas because he grew up in the old school newspaper kind of media, and he understood that. And he was willing to bring on guys that kind of understood the new media a little bit better, the online media, and um, including two of the real OGs, Doug Fisher and Steve Kim, that understand this media. And really were the pioneers in terms of boxing. Two of them. There's others, but two of them, for real. And, um, man, it's just a shame because UCN could have been something really, really big in the sport. Really big. It was awesome. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, a few of you guys like it. That's cool, man. Oh, that Hollywood smoke spot is still in Santa Monica. Okay. 
Yeah, I don't know why they picked that place other than somebody knew the owner of that place. So that's why we went there. But they were working on building a studio where we were going to do everything from there. It was going to be a, such a professional setup. Dude, when we would do the 10 count, we had a four camera setup, four cameras. We had three doing close-ups on each one of us, and then we had one getting a wide shot. So you had four, and you had multiple mics. I mean, it was lit. It, it was done so professionally. It was TV quality, the way it was shot and edited. And that's why it, they didn't get the best angles of me because would, I would always tell them, I'm tall. Jack up my close-up camera, all right? Because they put it at the same height as everyone else. So, you know, every shot of me at 10 count, guys, go back and look at me. It looks like this. <laughs> I look like I have like a five chin. I look like I have – because it's you – know, I'm looking down into the damn camera like that. But uh, other than that, I loved the production work on those videos, man. They were great. Chris Berger with another super chat. So thank you so much, man. He says, uh, you should visit the UK. Welcome in Manchester anytime. Hell yeah. Dude, me and Tiff talk about that all the time. Once I get this damn house together and finished, then yes, we will be coming over to the UK to cover a fight. I would love to do that. It's one of the things I've talked about for the last couple of years. And not only to come over there and talk to a lot of you guys, you know, fellow fight degenerates as we are, but my colleagues at Boxing Monthly, now that Boxing Monthly is poof, uh, it would be awesome and it'd be even more meaningful to me to meet with everybody and do like a bo old school Boxing Monthly meetup at a pub, like a real fucking English pub. That'd be awesome, man. I want to I want to learn some of those songs you guys sing and sing it you know with my horrible voice and uh, just have drinks with you guys. That would just be great, man. It'd be awesome. Trent with the super chat. Thank you so much, Trent. He says best boxing podcast. Appreciate that, my man. He says Vojtek Bevel, Boatsi Bevel. Hmm. Interesting. Damn. You know what? Look, man. I like Boatsi a lot. He's going to win titles. That dude's going to win titles. I don't know if he's there yet. I don't know if he's there yet. So right now, I'm taking Bevel. Vajdik Bevel, that is a hell of a matchup. Man, that's a tough one. Because of their styles. So, so Bevel is in and out. He's really fast with his feet, getting in and out. But it's straight lines. And Bevel punches really straight. I just think Bevel might, or I'm sorry, uh, Vajdik. Vajdik punches very straight. And he does, as Teddy Atlas calls him, machine gun punches, right? Bop, 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 bop. I think that he might be able to catch Bevel coming in. Bevel loops his shots. He might be able to get his shots around Vajdik's angles. So that's a really intriguing matchup, dude. I say that's a pick em fight. That's a 50-50 fight. I would love to see that shit. That'd be a hell of a matchup. USC Trojan Zone asks, how are things going to Georgia, Mike? Out here in L.A., we are starting to open up a little, little by little. Yeah, dude, um, so the governor here in Georgia, I don't even know what political party is or anything. I don't pay attention to any of that shit. I don't care. But he, when he opened up this state before everyone else, he took a lot of heat. I remember going on Twitter and just seeing that that dude got dissed. I mean, the media was bashing that dude hard. But 
I think there is some sneaky genius to what he did. I've seen some reports in the local media here in Atlanta where they've shown um, our uh, curve ended in early April, early April. So that dude opened up in early May. We hit our, our peak in early April. After we've opened up, all the numbers are down. The number of new cases, number of deaths, all that's down. And not only that, Atlanta's economy, or I'm sorry, Georgia's economy has gone up over the last month. I saw a report where the Georgia GDP, local businesses and stuff, increased this month, while like 40-something states, it went down. So as much as that dude got dissed, he, I think he made the right call here, dude. Now, if you're in New York, if you're in Michigan, you know, some of those hotbed areas, you're going to handle it differently. But here in Georgia, I absolutely think that guy made the right call. I don't know if it's an election year for the governors coming up or whatever. Maybe that has something to do with his decision. But I think that dude probably just secured his reelection because he's looking like a fucking genius right now. Let's go to the phones. Uh, three, two, three. You're on. As I'm about to drink this IPA, hopefully it doesn't taste like shit. What's up? Hey, how's it going, Mike? Can you hear me? Absolutely. I hear you good. Hey, how's it going? Uh, it's all Jose from L.A. How you been, man? Good, man. How you doing, Jose? I just wanna, I, I'm good. I'm good. I called, uh, I think, maybe like three months ago, your show. Um, we talked about a little bit about the UFC and all that stuff, but uh, I've been wanting to call you for quite a while. But um, how do you call I just wanted to ask you, about the monster, Anoya Inouye, have you heard anything about him fighting anytime soon? Yeah, the only thing with him, man, is um, travel. So, you know, he's oh. over on that side of the world, and Top Rank wanted to make his uh, debut, you know, with him on their contract mm-hmm. in Vegas. That was the plan. Yes, I, yeah, I heard about that. Right, yeah, yeah so for, for now, the, the issue, and this is another thing that I think boxing fans have to try to be patient because the the travel restrictions, the visa restrictions right now, yeah. you think of how global a sport boxing is, dude. You, you know, you talk about Naoya Inoue. He's in Japan. You got dudes in the Philippines, Ukraine, Russia, Mexico. These guys are all over the world. So it's difficult. Yeah. So I don't know how it's going to look with him uh, getting here to Vegas. As soon as – I haven't heard anything. But as soon as they can get him over here, because I think they really want him to fight in America. They don't just yeah. want to do a fight in Japan. Yeah. As soon as some of the travel restrictions ease up and they can get him over here to do a proper camp and proper preparation, he's going to be fighting over here. And it's not going to be a soft touch with him, dude. They're putting him on the fast yeah. track. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so far it's been it's been that way. I mean, with the boxing super series, it just looks like you know, they're trying to test him as much as they can. But um, how do you call that? Because I watched a video from, like Ellie said, back not too long ago, and then he was interviewing uh, Teofimo Lopez Sr. and uh, his dad, and it looks like Lomachenko is going to come to the States very soon. Like, have you heard anything about that? Yeah, they're working on that too. Uh, that's another thing, dude, is just with the travel. But they really want to still do that fight in September. They're confident they mm-hmm. can get it done. So I think the plan is – if Loma's got to do camp over there or at least start camp over there and then come over here, you got to think, dude, it's not just the logistics of mm-hmm. camp. It's the logistics yeah. of immigration, you know, a visa, yeah. all, getting all that worked out. But then testing, 
How's how's yeah. the testing going to look if you're coming in from another country? What kind of protocols? You know, you got to deal with the federal government. You got to deal with the state yeah. government. It's complicated, bro. But um, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that, uh, it's a, it's a whole giant process. I, you know, it's just I, I just hope they can do it in September. Now I understand like the whole process too. Like I try to dig into like everything, you know, because. Um, from what I saw from the UFC, the way they handled it, it I mean, it, it, it looked like a pain in the ass, to be honest. And, like, Dana White was just very pissed off. He looked, like, very irritated the whole time. And yeah. But I think he's going to think they're, like, in the right place where they're going to just throw more and more events. Like, they're going to have a fight this weekend. I don't know if you're going to be able to check that out. Is it is it on regular TV? Yeah, well, I think I believe it's going to be on regular ESPN Plus or just ESPN Plus and or right. ESPN. One of Yo, those. Two. I'll, I'll check it yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll check it because I know I, there's been a couple of them on regular ESPN, ESPN Plus. Dana White, you know, benefited, dude. There's a lot. There's something a lot of people don't know. Boxing has more regulation than MMA. Uh, there's yeah. just more restrictions in boxing, and there's more protocol you have to follow from the government. MMA kind of slides under the radar. Like they don't have to adhere to the Ali Act, and there's certain things that it's just less regulated. So yeah. Dana White benefits from that, but he also benefits. You know, he's got access. A lot more of his fighters are here in the United States. In boxing, you look at look at the pound for pound list, bro. I mean, it's it's yeah. almost every continent. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. difficult to get all those guys over here right now. So Dana White's in a really good spot. Um, I think he's doing it the right way. They, they're testing. They're being safe. They're being smart. And from I think that pay, didn't that pay per view do like seven hundred thousand buys or something? I want to say it did very you well. Know, uh, you know, I, I didn't really check the numbers, man. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, think, I wouldn't be surprised if it. Yeah, I wouldn't it did be pretty well. If it, did. it did pretty well. Yeah, I mean, everybody's home. <laughs> like everybody's yeah, home. Yeah, dude. You, Dude, like everybody's gonna check it out. Even, even like, even I have like some of my boxing friends. You know, like box, like they're just pure boxing. They, they, they were. They told me like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna watch this fight over the weekend because there's nothing else to watch. You know, there's yeah, no bro. boxing, so I might as well watch this." You know, Dude, that so, uh, I mean, space shuttle launch. It, Everyone it, was watching that shit. It got canceled. But like yeah. anything right now, dude. Like there, there's yeah. uh, ESPN's doing some Lance Armstrong. Uh, documentary everyone's gonna watch that shit you know what i'm saying even if you don't yeah. i don't know shit about cycling i watch that shit yeah you know what i'm saying like i, I don't even have a bike <laughs> yeah. you know it's just yeah. because there's just nothing on right now but yeah dude i think um dana white led the way on that stuff and you know props to bob arum for looking at what dana white did and saying okay let me see if i can figure out a way to kind of follow that you know bob arum has said some really nasty shit about mma oh, yeah. and ufc yeah. but He's kind of following their lead right now. It, it's I was hearing your show the other day about that, about like how you know, it was weird, man. Because I, I mean, I mean, I was following MMA during that time when that happened. Actually, that interview, it's funny that you brought that up because that, that interview was kind of a long time. It was a while back ago. Yeah, like, dude, when was like, that? Yeah, Did it was like maybe like eight, seven years ago. Okay, some, some all right. And the inter, the the journalist, his name is Ariel Hawani. And he's like a Jewish journalist. Like he's Jew. He's like Jewish Canadian, Jewish Canadian uh, uh, um, uh, MMA journalist. He has a very popular. He's one of the most popular MMA journalists around. 
Okay. Yeah. And uh, he, he was like telling, he was uh, interviewing Bob Arum and that's when that whole thing came up. Like he asked him about like, Hey, you know, what do you think about what the UFC is doing and this and that? And, um, and, and, and that's when, uh, that's when Bob Arum, you know, brought up the whole like skinhead, skinhead part and, 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 and all this stuff and all this racist stuff. Book. And yeah. And then, and, and in front of this guy, and then that's when Ariel Hawaii is like, Hey, hold on, man. You know, I'm Jewish, you know, like, that's, oh, that's shit. not true. You know that, yeah. Because skinheads don't bad. like Jewish people. Okay. Now I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So he was yeah, basically saying, saying, dude, so like, I'm not a skinhead guy. I'm Jewish. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah, he's like, hey man, you know, like, like that's that's a very uh, ignorant thing to say about MMA, you know, because you know there's Brazilians, and there during that time, like the main uh, the main uh, demographic you can say was American, Canadian, and Brazilian, and a little bit they tapped in a little bit into the European market during that time, you know, during that time, you know, during that mm-hmm. time, because you're talking about like maybe George St. Pierre era, you know. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, and you had like Southern American uh, demographic that watch MMA. But other than that, that's it, you know? The but, one um, thing I've noticed about that- MMA, because, you know, I haven't been to MMA events, but I've been invited to MMA fight parties and I've been invited to MMA events at bars. But I haven't been to an act- yeah. Actually, I went to one fight card. I need to say, I went been to one fight card. But I will say, you know, with, with MMA, the demographics, they do have more Anglos, Americans with names like oh, yeah. Bill yeah. Smith, Johnny Winters, you know, whatever. You know. Yeah. And so I think that <laughs> you know, and even even like the black dudes have names that are Anglo, right? They're American names. They don't they're not Hispanic blacks. Now there's some Hispanic blacks yeah. from from uh from Brazil or whatever, yeah. maybe uh mulatos, but like I do think that's that helps them market because, dude, this country is seventy plus percent Anglo. So yeah, you know, so I do think that's part of what's what helps them market, quote unquote, to the mainstream. Uh, yeah. So I think that's what Bob Arum was trying to express. But he, yeah, dude, he came off really ignorant. I don't even watch MMA and I know damn well that there's people of all walks of life that enjoy MMA. So for him to say something like that, yeah, ugly. Yeah. And I get it, man. And I get it 100%. Like when back, especially back, you know, you know, Mike, like, like back in like in the mid 2000s when MMA was starting to get like some type of traction, and you, you had Chuck Liddell, you know, like as a champion. Yeah, dude, every, you know, you have the every, guy that's every huge with a fighter mohawk, with, a, with a beer belly. You know, and you're like, okay, <laughs> yeah, you dude. Know, like, yeah, well, you, I'm just yeah. saying. Now, you can you can correct me if I'm wrong because you know more about this shit than me. But I look at every yeah. breakthrough MMA star that I've seen doing movies and shit: Chuck Liddell, Ronda Rousey, Forrest Griffin. Who am I missing? You know, it, the best dude I've ever seen fight was uh, Anderson Silva. I saw that dude. And I'm like, okay, yeah. that dude's nasty. That dude's got skills. Yeah. Now I don't know the yeah. new guys, but I'm like, why isn't this guy as popular as Chuck Liddell? Because I saw Chuck Liddell, and I'm like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think uh, I think uh, one is that Anderson Silva, like during that time, he didn't he didn't speak he didn't speak a lick of English during that uh, time. 
Well, see, yeah. see, okay, yeah, so right. maybe it's not yeah. even a racial thing, dude. And that's the thing. Like, I think yeah. people, people hear the hear demographics and race, and they think that means racism or pre- it doesn't. It just it, yeah. sometimes it's what do I say about Canelo, dude? Canelo looks like. Yeah. A fucking typical Irish dude from Atlanta walking around here in my neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? If he spoke yeah. English and he went on the Jimmy Kimmel show and he went on these late shows, his marketability, yeah. look at what Manny Pacquiao did. Manny Pacquiao can't sing yeah. for shit, dude. He sucks at oh, singing. Yeah, yeah. But he'd go on those late shows and sing and it was endearing. People in America like that shit. You know what I'm saying? And that's how he blew up. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot of don't you think it's a lot of it's just because of the fighting styles too? Of course. I mean the way. Of course. Yeah, I mean with, with Manny Pacquiao, it's just it, it has to been about like his fighting and just the way the guy. I mean, he still is. He's still this way, you know. Like, so yeah. I mean, and Anderson Silva was knocking people out in his heyday. He was just knocking people out. So it's like everybody was impressed by him. But like, really, do you want this guy in Hollywood? Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know. I hear you. <laughs> You know, like, I, I just feel like he was, but he's still, like, you know, like, in that world, like, he's one of the big fishes, you know, like, you can call him, like, a, you know, one of the, the, the icons, you can say, you know, but okay. uh, it's, you know, it, 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 I just hope, like, with these two sports, when they come, when they're transitioning back, they can just, you know, transition back where they, everybody's getting, you know, everybody's getting paid, everybody is able to work freely. I hear you, man. And I, oh, I, yeah, yeah. I hate the constant comparisons. I like, and I'll admit, I used to be one of those guys. I used to be one of those guys yeah. that talked about it. So, but I've eased up on that. Um, it, it's it's really two completely different sports. I've actually met people. I don't like when they come, when they call each other out either. Yeah, dude, like it's it. stupid. Like, it's, 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 it's just dumb, like with Ryan Garcia the other day, calling out, you know, a, 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 a flyweight, a guy that uh, fights at 125 pounds. You know, like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Come on, man. Dude, that's like you when know, Chuck Liddell called out Floyd Mayweather. I'm like, what? You know? Yeah. Like, that, yeah. yeah, yeah that kind of, what's interesting stop. now, dude, is some of these younger boxers are starting to call out MMA dudes. And the previous yeah, generation like of boxers yeah. did not do that. And that does tell you there yeah. has been a flip. There has been a flip, and uh, yeah. I don't know what that means. But why would Ryan Garcia call out anybody in MMA? There's tons of boxers yeah. he still hasn't fought. <laughs> Fight them yeah, in that's Haiti. Why Navarez, but it was great. Yeah, that dude. Abner called him out on it. Hell, dude, like, that hey, was awesome. Call- yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, you shouldn't be calling out uh, Henry Cejudo, uh, a guy that's about to retire. You know, you, why are you doing that when you have guys? in your division that you still need to fight. You haven't done yeah. anything. You know? Yeah, like if, if Floyd you know, wants to do a crossover, and all, I ain't mad at Floyd at all, dude. If Floyd wants to fight Conor McGregor, oh, yeah. Floyd's fought everybody. Like, whatever, dude. Do your thing. But, like, any of these young dudes calling out any MMA fight, dude, you still got a lot of boxers you got to fight. So, yeah, that, that, that is just completely stupid. different. Different conditioning, different. Absolutely. And I always tell this when I – uh when I when I train people like like when they're trying to you know learn either boxing or or kickboxing or Muay Thai like it, it it's just different you can't just transition to a, one to the other you know it's 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 a different the angles type of conditioning there's a I different had, type of conditioning I yeah. had uh, one dude who's done mostly MMA and wrestling 
kind of just give me a real brief rundown. And I don't, I don't think a lot of people know this, but I did judo and jujitsu for one year. So I know a little bit about mm-hmm. it, but, uh, it, you know, I haven't seen it in a long time. And so he, he was just showing me the difference in angles and spacing and the, the footwork. It's so different. The distance yeah. is so different. And I'm like, dude, this is so fucking different. This is two completely different sports for people to compare this is fucking idiotic. And I I always yeah. hate the argument, well, who would win in a street fight? Who gives a fuck? Who like, really do? You know what? Like, yeah, I I, I sparred boxers. I sparred, I sparred pro boxers before. And, 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 like, within three, four rounds, I'm done. I'm like, I don't, I can't, I can't keep up with their pace. It's just, it's just, that's it, you know? You know, and it's, it's just, and it's the same thing. If the box, if the pro boxer goes inside an MMA gym, he goes into a mat, and we tell him like, hey, listen, over here we kick you, and we're gonna take you down. You know, it, within two rounds he's gonna be completely exhausted because he's he's probably had to carry somebody's body weight for a long time. And then you know, what I mean, it's just yeah. it's, even if we like, if we're even if we like don't kick him or like we don't, you know, we just take him down and just have him carry our weight for like maybe a few minutes. He's not gonna be the same when he gets back up. That's it. His legs, especially in boxing, you need your legs. Yep. You need your legs under you. It's very important, you know? And that's why I tell, like, yeah, that's what I tell, like, some of my, my, my students, like, you need your legs under you, you know? You know, especially when you're going to box, you know? So it's like, it, it's just, come on, guys. Like, just enough with the, enough with the comparison. It's just dumb. Just <laughs> enjoy both. Yeah. Like, there, a lot of people like both. And some, look, I, you know, I, I fully admit, I prefer one over the other for me. Boxing yeah, is a little absolutely. more aesthetically pleasing. I like the, yeah. the the fact that you stay on your feet. That being said, I fully admit, when you got two guys in there just hugging each other, boxing at its worst could be the worst fucking sport to watch on earth, bro. If you got two guys in there that are just hugging each other all night, that, that shit don't yeah. look good. So, But in my opinion, boxing at its best is the best sport on earth. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's dude. Like I said, man. I mean, that's the reason why I've, I've been watching the sports for like twenty five years. So that's there's a reason why I do it, you know, for yeah. boxing because I still love it. You know, I still watch him boxing. I still show it to my son. You know, I want my son to box. So it's like it's crazy. You know, it's crazy. Even though like I I did MMA, I competed in MMA. You know, like I'm a coach. So it's like, but I still have my heart is still with boxing and in in a way, in a way, you know. I hear you, brother. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, other than that, uh, I'll let you go, Mike. Enjoy your beer. And, All right, uh, man. Yeah. Dude, yeah, great call, man. Other time. Yeah, right, and I, yeah, I actually saw Eddie Hernandez today, man. Oh, yeah? You saw Eddie? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I'm still training with Eddie. Eddie tell so, tell yeah, Eddie I said what's up, man. Yeah, man. All right. All right, brother. All right, brother. All right, man. You have a good one. Bye. You too, man. Oh, good call, man. Good call. All right, I saw a couple of Super Chat pledges I got to get to right here, guys. Uh, Carlos is on Super Chat Pledge. Thank you so much, Carlos. I appreciate it. He says, next time you and Tiffer and Callie, we should get together for drinks and cigars. Hell yeah. We've only smoked cigars one time, and that was at Jeff's wedding. And, uh, man, my throat hurt the next day. (laughs) But, man, that was a fun time. He says, uh, what's your outtake on Tyson's comeback, and how long will we have to wait to see him in a title Oh, title fight? Slow down, Carlos. Um, I actually talked about this on the radio 
the other night on SB Nation Radio. So check out that video. I posted it's audio, but it's you know video because it's on YouTube, or you can look on iTunes or whatever. I posted it. Uh, I was talking to Dave Smith about that. I, Tyson is going to come back and do some exhibitions, and I think what people got to realize is it's going to be a process. So let's see how he looks in those exhibitions. What I what I want because I he is going to come back. What I hope happens is he fights somebody in his age group, an Evander Holyfield, someone like that who's not too damaged, not James Tony, because James Tony has been damaged for the last twenty plus years, and I say that with respect to James Tony because I care about his health. Uh, I don't I don't mean that disrespectfully, but let's see Tyson fight someone in his age group. By the way. That also may include an MMA fighter. If there's, I don't know how old Shamrock is. You guys could tell me, or some of these, one of these Silva, because there's like a thousand Silva Silvas. One of those dudes who's kind of maybe in his forties against Tyson, I'd be cool with that because that would be a huge crossover thing. I think that it would sell very well. And let's see how Tyson looks. Do a couple of those, make a shit ton of money. And then maybe, maybe, okay, long way from this, but maybe after that you go f- toward like a journeyman. Billy Falco says Shamrock has to be at least 50. Okay, so there you go. Tyson versus Shamrock in a boxing match. So it'd be like, like I said in the radio the other night, uh, Mayweather versus uh, Conor McGregor, the geriatric version, right? Although these dudes in their 50s, let's be honest, they're fucking jacked. They look better than most guys in their 20s. So I shouldn't say geriatric version because these guys can whoop the shit out of most people half their age. But still, let those two do an exhibition fight, make a shitload of money, give some of it to charity. How about we give? How about we donate some of that to Minneapolis because it's burnt to the fucking ground right now? And something like that. And then maybe he goes up against a journeyman level ranked fighter but title shot dude go back 15 years when he fought kevin mcbride who's not going to be in the boxing hall of fame anytime soon and how did that turn out for him before that he fought danny williams not going to be in the boxing hall of fame ever how'd that look right so i mean tyson was pretty much done in the early 2000s or 20 years later so everyone's got to slow down on that but he goes in there against Shamrock, Holyfield. Although I, I do wonder about Holyfield's health. I think he's a lot more damaged. Like Tyson's fine. Holyfield's had a little bit of damage. And as long as he cleared all of his medicals, stringent medicals, I'm talking Vegas, Nevada medicals, not Memphis, Tennessee medicals, then uh, maybe, maybe I'd be cool with that. A four-rounder or some shit. But I really think Tyson and Shamrock, I think that needs to happen. For real. I think that'll be great. We got a Super Chat Pledge from Harrison Property. Thank you so much, my man. He says, I followed you here, Mike, from the 10 count. Yeah, bro. You, like many other people, found me on 10 count and came over and found my uh, my real, my regular channel from 10 count. What can I say? He said, uh, 10 count was my favorite show. I was shattered when the show ended. Keep up the great work, Mike. Dude, I can't – I've probably received, no lie, guys, at least 100 emails and DMs 
saying just that. Uh, it sucks. It really sucks because that was a very good platform doing real journalistic work, which kind of goes to the beginning of this video. I was talking about that IFL video chat, and some of these people were calling themselves journalists. I don't know about that. If you're just interviewing fighters, I don't know. I can't define what makes a journalist or media. You guys got to define that. But what we were doing there at 10 Count, that was serious, real journalistic work. And I was proud to be associated with that, man. The way it was produced and everything else. And unfortunately, the business partner involved just didn't give a shit. Anyway. Uh, that was someone calling me in the midst of this chat. But uh, Parakua asked, how hard did it hit you when it ended? Wondering. Um, by that point, dude, by the time it ended officially... I was so fed up that, like, I didn't give a shit. But I don't know if you guys remember this. I was doing 10 count for, like, a year or something, and then I wasn't in a bunch of episodes. I don't, those of you who watched the show, you'll remember this. There was probably six months or more where I didn't do any shows because I told them to get fucked. They weren't paying me. They owed me money. And I was like, look, dude, again, I've put in my my work, and I've gotten to a certain point. And not only that, dude, we had an agreement. You told me what you were going to pay me and give me uh, for doing this work. And let me tell you guys, you know, we would come and shoot six, seven, eight of those shows at a time. And there were days where I hosted, you know, I. it's one thing to be a guest. You could kind of go off the cuff a little bit. But when you're hosting, you got to have your notes together. you got to... There's also four cameras. There's a producer off camera giving you the light. Like, hey, you got 30 seconds. There's a lot of moving parts when you're hosting a show. And um, so you're going to get paid more for that. And they didn't pay me, so I told them, fuck you. And it was actually you guys that bitched so much in the comments section. They were like, yo, where's Montero? When's Montero coming back? They contacted me because of you guys. So thank you very much for supporting me uh, because you guys missed me being on the show. And they called me and we worked something out. And from that point forward, you know, we were good. But by the time it was finally kind of announced, I think it was Co uh, Coyote Duran who, who emailed us, who said, look, man, one of the writers, one of the guys that worked extensively on a site, the UCN site, who said, guys, I don't know about you, but I'm fed up. Uh, we're posting one more article and that's it. And basically everyone on the email chain was like, yeah, fuck them. And that was that. So they, I don't think that dude, again, I'm not going to name his name. I don't think he realized what he had. But he had something. There was some really good stuff in the works, man. I was really excited. I, I can honestly say if UCN Live was still around right now, I'd still live in Los Angeles because I'd have to, because of some of the things we had planned. I'd still live out there. Um, that was one of those things where I was going to get really heavily involved on the ground floor. I'm talking not executive level, but I was going to be up, you know, really heavily invested and I would have needed to be there. I probably wouldn't have left LA. It would have been a reason for me to stay there, but it is what it is. And now I'm in Atlanta and I have my own fucking studio. So there you go.
And I'm drinking a beer on the Friday chatting with you guys. Salute. Uh, oh, yeah. USC Trojan Zone. I'm not going to respond to that comment. I'm just going to leave that as it is. But there were comments in some of those videos about that particular person that, uh, yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, if I recall, ask, so you did multiple shows in one sitting. Yeah. That's the way all those shows work, guys. A lot of times with shows like that, um, you would go in, and that's the way TV works a lot too. I was on a game show once by accident, and they shot like four episodes of the game show that day. I was fucking drunk too, and I won. Somehow I won. But I went to a party the night before, and, and I told one of my boys, like, dude, I'm on a game show tomorrow, man, and they're shooting early. They make it look like they're shooting at night. That's all fucking fake. All the stuff behind and everything, that's all fake. They shot like at 8 in the morning. And my boy's like, dude, just have a couple drinks, man. Just have a Man, I was there until like 4 o'clock. <laughs> I woke up on his couch, drove home, took a shower, put on my clothes, drove to the studio and did this game show. And I shit you not, I, I've seen, I've watched it, and it looks like I'm standing straight. But standing behind the podium and shit, dude, I felt like I was doing this. Everything was, like, moving and shit. The fucking lights were moving. Every, and the show was hosted by uh, Carlton from uh, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That was the host. And I, because I was still half drunk, the, you know, I was giggling in my head the whole time. It was fucking Carlton. Oh, God. Anyway, I ended up winning. I won a bunch of money. I won a trip. It was pretty awesome. But anyway, long story short, short story long, we shot like four or five episodes that day. And um, because I won, they didn't bring me back. That was the rule. Had I lost, they would have maybe told me to change clothes and go back on another episode. Uh, USC Trojan Zones asking how much I won. It was at least 10 Gs and then a trip. It wasn't that much money because it was like, uh, I think Game Show Network. You don't win that much money. But, it, dude, I had just moved to L.A. I was broke as fuck. I was sleeping on a friend's floor. It changed. I mean, it didn't change my life, but it was a blessing. Let me tell you. I didn't take the trip for like three years because I just didn't have the time and the money. Uh, everything was comped, but I had to get up to the place where the vacation was. But I cashed that check. Next day, motherfucker. They were like, can we send it to you? I'm like, nah. I filled out my W-2 right there in the office. I'm like, give me my shit. I walked out with that check. I think we shot on like a Saturday, maybe. And Monday morning, I cashed that bitch because I needed it. I was starving at that time, bro. I lived behind a jack-in-the-box. And I must have ate that damn jack-in-the-box 99-cent menu five nights a week. That, I ate that, and there was a little Caesars up the street. They had a $5 large if you carried out. It was a couple blocks up. So I go up there and get my $5. That was like gourmet meal to me at that time, dude. I was starving. I was a twitchy, skinny little motherfucker. And uh, to go from that to what I ended up building myself to in L.A., I don't know, man. It, it's, it's pretty crazy looking back now. It really is pretty crazy. Renee Box says, wow, man, Jack in the Crack is good, though. <laughs> Dude, let me tell you, I haven't ate in a Jack in the Box since. I, oh, it just the thought of it disgusts me, bro. Those uh, taquitos, it's all I ate. And I, and I would get bread and, like, bologna 
and fucking peanut butter, you know, just shit like that all day. I had uh, Folgers coffee, the shit where it's like powder and you put it in a you know cup and you mix that shit. That was my coffee. Ugh. I've been through worse though, man. I, I grew up harder than that, so it was it wasn't that bad. It's just doing that shit at thirty. Uh, people thought it was crazy, but it got me to a to a certain point, man. So sometimes I'm like, you know, man, maybe I should write a book about that shit. Would anybody read it? I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? But it, it's definitely a crazy story. Uh, yeah. Renee Box Young, Montero comes from the struggle, definitely. Yeah, so it's something I don't talk about a lot. But, uh, you know, my parents were just down here last weekend. It's interesting because uh, we were working in the yard. And my parents, my dad's like 60, my mom's like 58. And we were shoveling all this mulch and shit. And the neighbors, you know, we live in a nice neighborhood now, me and Tiffany. And the neighbors were, it was one thing seeing me working. But seeing, like, my dad pulling a wheelbarrow and my mom shoveling and shit, they were like, Ugh. because they're seeing these people who are, like, 60 years old work like that in the yard. And my parents are fucking chilling, drinking a beer. We're hardworking people, dude. Uh, where we come from, blue collar, hardworking, uh, lower working class. I think I've talked about this. I was born in a trailer park. I lived in the trailer park till I was five, six years old. And... The house that my parents bought uh, was a government, like a HUD home, you know, like a government home. Uh, it's uh, oh shit. I'll get emotional if I keep talking about it because it's just I remember going back to Detroit, you know, as an adult uh, years later and just seeing my neighborhood or my old neighborhood, but seeing my house that I grew up in. When I was a kid, I thought it was huge. I thought it was huge. It's like a thousand square feet. And uh, it was all of us cramped in there, one bathroom. And uh, to go from that to where I'm at now, dude, it's it's pretty amazing, man. This, America has a lot of issues, obviously. But in a lot of ways, it's the best country in the world, dude. If, if you work your ass off, you, you can really have shit here. You really can. I'm a living testament to that. My soon-to-be wife, her parents came, immigrated from Vietnam during the wars and all that crazy shit that was going on over there. They went from that to putting three kids through college. Tiffany went through college, her sister and her brother, and the parents paid for it all. Now, no one in my family has been to college, but they, well, my sister went, ended up going to college. She became the first person in my family to ever go to college, actually. But um, Tiffany and her siblings all went to college, and her parents are immigrants. So, like, both me and my, my future wife are just a testament to show what you can have in this country, man. People forget that shit. Despite all of our problems, it's it's I. Anyway, let's get back to boxing. Um, yes, best in the world with all the bad and good. Yes, absolutely. Mike Lazarus says, "Why doesn't Triple G versus Andre get Andre to get made?" Well, why doesn't why didn't Triple G versus Canelo the third fight get made last year? Once that fight happens, that's what Triple G wants. Then maybe. One of those other fights can happen. But if you were Triple G and you had an opportunity to fight Canelo again and get $30 million or fight Andre and get less than that, which one would you do? At the point where he's at in his career, why the hell would you fight Andre right now? I'm Guys, I'm not saying I love that. I'm saying I understand that. 
I go back to the Miguel Cotto example of that dude got to a point, Miguel Cotto fought everybody. He got fucked over in certain situations, if you think about it. And he got to a point where he's like, dude, I'm going to do what I'm going to do now. And when uh, the whole situation with Canelo and Triple G was his man, when he beat Martinez, Triple G became his mandatory. He said, you know what? Triple G, here's half a million dollars. I'm going to fight Canelo. Yeah, I'm probably going to lose that fight, but he's not going to murk me and knock me out the way you will. So, yeah, I didn't blame Cotto one bit for that. I didn't blame him one bit. So whatever business move Golovkin wants to make at this point, I kind of don't blame him. He's kind of earned that right, dude. Now, if he continues to fight Steve Rolls, then I'll criticize. But dude, he just fought Sergei Derevyanchenko. In the last couple of years, he's fought Canelo twice, Daniel Jacobs, and Sergei Derevyanchenko. That's a pretty strong schedule. That's up there in the top five of uh, you know strength of opposition in the sport right now over the last few years. So I'm not saying it's it's the number one resume, but it's up there. So why fight Andre, dude? What I like Andre, but what has Andre done to earn that fight? Why doesn't Andre fight? You know, they apparently have reached out to Charlo, but. Why doesn't that dude just get in the ring and fight three, four times a year like Golovkin did when nobody wanted to fight him? It's because Andre has a sense of entitlement. It is what it is. Isn't Triple G guaranteed $15 billion per fight now, though? It's actually, it's more than that, but the opponent has to be right. So he's not going to get the same amount for fighting Steve Rolls that he's going to get for fighting Sergei Derevyanchenko. And trust me, guys, they're a fine print to, to all these contracts. So do I think he's getting the same amount for every opponent? No. There's a certain guarantee, but there's upside if he fights a Canelo. You know what I'm saying? So he's going to – it's it, and just from a ego perspective, he wants, in his mind, to try to right that wrong. So there is a guarantee involved, but there's upside – depending on the opponent. So why wouldn't you go for the opponent that number one could get you the most money, but number two, you, you kind of feel you got screwed over against and you want to try to write that wrong. I understand that at the same time, he's not going to jump right into that this fall. He wants a tune up fight and that's going to be his mandatory. Take care of the mandatory, keep your title. And then, cause that title helps you in negotiations fight wise and then go and fight Canelo next Cinco de Mayo. That's going to be the plan with Gennady Golovkin. Yeah, he's not going to get a much, as much against Zameda. He's going to get a guarantee, a flat guarantee, and he's willing to accept that for right now. He takes care of his mandatory. He gets his tune-up. He gets, you know, it's an, a fight in his contract that he gets through. It's a fight camp he goes through, he gets back in the rhythm, and then Cinco de Mayo next year, he fights Canelo a third time, and he gets that big, big paycheck. And then I think after that, he will have two more fights left in his contract with the zone. I still think one of those might be at 168, but from there, we'll see what he does. Um, but yeah, he's, he's got options after that. It's clear he wants Canelo a third time, and that's also what the zone wants. So that's what's going to happen. All right, guys. We've been going here for how long, man? We've been going here for 
an hour and a half. Look at that. Look at that. But I think it's been a good chat. I hope this was somewhat entertaining to you guys. Uh, USC Trojan Zone asks, how do you think Gabe Montoya and Steve Kim did a podcast together for years where they are on opposites politically, LOL? All right, I'm not going to talk too much about that. I'll just say this. They're not on opposites politically. And not opposites, okay? Because one person is very, very, very extreme. One person is moderate. Whatever side of the fence they're on, that's that's the truth. And one person has gone from, let, let, let's say, a football field, okay? You know, Steve is, let's say, on the 40-yard line on one end of the f- football field. Gabe was always on, like, the 30- or 20-yard line. Okay, that's fair. After the last election, he ran behind the fucking goalpost to the other side. Like, that, he's that far now. He's lost his fucking mind. And that's that's his right. As an American, great. Free speech, cool. But... If you can keep that out of your boxing content and do your show without talking about all that, cool. The problem is he went so far off the deep end that every single episode of their show, they were talking about, he was, bringing up political stuff and interjecting that. And Steve was getting emails and messages from people like, dude, what's up with this shit? And it got to a point eventually, it was actually Gabe that walked away from that. And, uh, yeah, dude, I don't know. Look, man, to each their own. Um, I I hope that he gets the help he needs and he can live a healthy, happy life. Um, But there's some mental and emotional stuff going on there. And, you know, I I feel for the dude. I hope that everything works out for him and his wife and he has a good, happy, healthy life. That's it. Anyway, <laughs> dude, you've had some great comments today. <laughs> uh, Nathan Carey says, Manuel Char is the true world champion. Hell yeah. What's up, man? He, he's all-time great. Just ask the WBA. Renee Box Young says, how often do you go live, Montero, and what times? Renee, you've been sleeping under a rock. What's up, man? I go live every Monday, the neutral corner, every Monday. Make sure you're here. Every single Monday, okay? Other than that, it's an occasional one-off rant video like this. And um, just having some fun, man. That's all. This was totally like, eh, fuck it. Let's chat a little bit. It's been a tough week. Oh, you know what? We got another call. Let's take one more call, then we'll wrap this up, okay? 441, you're on. What's up? Hey, Mike. It's Chris Bergen. Hey, Chris. What's going on, man? (laughs) I'm, I'm good. How are you, mate? I'm good. Enjoying my really? this beer is mediocre. It's mediocre. Yeah, oh, really? I'm I'm on the Heineken, so it's not oh, too you bad. You can't go wrong there, man. You can't go wrong. Exactly. Yeah, I've just got one question. My question is, um, I've been talking to my friends recently about this uh, Anthony Joshua versus Pulev fight, um, and um, I recently watched the uh, Klitschko versus Pulev uh, fight on YouTube the other day, and it was quite embarrassing to watch, to be honest. Um, Klitschko just destroyed the guy. Um, Great performance. Yeah, but what I was saying is, has the guy got any chance against Joshua? Because I just think it's a mismatch, to be honest. I I agree with you. It's a mismatch. Um, 
I think Vlad was more more fluid than Joshua. And I think that Pulev, for whatever reason, had this machismo. Remember he was like standing in front of Vlad and almost daring him to hit him? Yeah. And said, so, are you crazy? crazy? He's one of the hardest yeah. right hands in the history of boxing, the heavyweight division, I should say. And you're standing yeah. right in front of the guy? And it was actually a left hook that did him in. Um, I, You know, I think that he'll probably, I would hope, fight a little smarter against Anthony Joshua. I think that, that's Pulev's only loss, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think so, yeah. So I would hope he learned from that. And I think some of the reason he started clowning with Vlad, honestly, if you go back and look at the first round of that fight, I think right away Pulev knew, like, whoa, this guy's different. There's nothing I can yeah. do against this guy. <laughs> and so what he started doing is just kind of trying to psych him out and get in his head. Obviously, it didn't work. I it think didn't that, end well. Yeah, it did not end well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think against AJ, he's going to fight smarter. But, of course, I, I, I favor AJ heavily. The one, the one thing is AJ you know, has had the chin checked now and people are always, it's not fair, but people are always going to question him from this point out. Um, yeah. You know, and, and so maybe Pulev will come in there guns blazing early on, but after about three, four rounds, Joshua is just going to take over that fight and he's going to stop him. Yeah. That's what, that's what I'd suspect as well, personally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another heavyweight fight I was thinking about that no one's really mentioned, uh, Daniel Dubois versus uh, Derek Chisora. I think that'd be a good fight. What do you think? That'd be a great test for Dubois. Uh, Ch- yeah. If I-, if I were Dubois' handlers, I wouldn't sign that fight right now. No. No. I think uh, Chisora is probably the most underrated heavyweight right out there right now. To be honest, Chisora has aged well, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean he, he's had he's... some great wins recently against uh, yeah. Takam and uh, Spilker. Some highlight real knockouts, really. That win over Takam is an underrated win because I think people underrate Carlos Takam. I really do. I think yeah, he's a yeah. good quality heavyweight. Um, I would rather see Dubois fight Joyce first and see how yeah, he looks against absolutely. him. But, yeah, jumping up to Chisora right now, Chisora is one of those dudes. Look, we've seen Chisora show up and not kind of be 100% motivated and in shape and not look good. But when he's focused, that dude's a problem. He's a problem. Yeah. So yeah, I would not jump in with a fight with a fight with him right now. No way. I mean, pe- people give Chisora a hard time because he's got nine defeats. But I mean, there's some great fighters out there about nine defeats. But I mean, Chisora's had some close, close, close defeats. I mean, he's had two against Dylan White, which he arguably won the first fight, and then the second fight he was winning the fight, in my opinion, and then he got sparked out with that with probably the best left hook in the division. So, right now, that is definitely the best left hook in the division. Hands down. Yeah. <laughs> Hands down. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know I if mean, it's 100% does. natural, <laughs> but it's yeah. the best left hook in the division. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But for Chisora, yeah, look, look I mean, Chisora is not a Hall of Famer. He's not on that level. I'm not trying to overrate the guy. But I think a lot of people look at him as a journeyman, and he's not. He's a perennial no, contender type of heavyweight you know he's you go back like to the 80s and 90s i'm trying to think of someone i would compare him to 
I don't want to say like a Tony, uh, like a Tucker or a Tubbs or so, but kind of in that realm where he's just, he's a guy that, you know, on any given night, he could give you trouble. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I always think yeah. that. <laughs> USC Trojan Zone in the chat says, sparked my favorite Brit word. You guys have, <laughs> you guys have some great words, man. What, what you guys yeah. call, uh, like a really crazy fight, you call it a cracker, right? Yeah, yeah. Cracker, okay, yeah. That is a totally different meaning here in America. <laughs> That's... Or if it was a good performance, he smashed it, we say. He well. smashed it, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love the British <laughs> slang. When I Eventually, I will get over there. Me and Tiff will get over there. And uh, I just want to learn more of the British slang, because you guys have the best slang words on earth. I, I really think that. <laughs> like an yeah, elevator's a lift. Here, but... <laughs> Some of them make sense. Like calling an elevator a lift, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. An elevator lifts you. That an elevator makes sense too, but lift is just easier to say, and it's it's true. But I'm trying to think of some of the slang words that don't make any sense. Uh, let me see. I can't There's think of a lot of them. <laughs> do you really say if someone gets robbed, do you say they got blagged? Yeah, that is a word. I think that's more the south of England say that. Is that Cockney? Yeah, that's more that's more London. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, you call yeah. a trunk a boot? <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. sorry, we're getting off subject here. Yeah. Oh, what I was going to say as well, I mean, people have been talking about the 10 count. I love the 10 count as well. It was brilliant. But one of my favorite episodes of TNC was when you, you and your brother was on the roof and your brother was drunk as hell. So it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> my brother likes to drink oh <laughs> uh, yeah yeah you know i'm trying to get my brother he's in long beach right now and i'm trying to get him to move back out here we'll see if he does yeah. um because there's just nothing for him out there right now and uh he's thinking about it he's actually thinking about yeah. it so maybe over this he was t- been talking about over the summer moving out this way now that my sister's had a, a baby because uh, I was telling my brother, I'm like, man, you have a nephew. Like, I just saw my nephew. His name's Luca. This uh, past weekend, they came down and visited. And it, I was telling my brother, you're missing this little guy grow up. He's like, he's a little nugget. You're missing him, you know. So if he can get out here, we will do that. Absolutely. I don't know what kind of rooftop we could get. We'll have to, there, there's not as many rooftops here. But, um, no. Well, you know, it's very green here. It's very, very green. So, because hey, people get some cars, get some chairs in the garden. That's there the you same go. Thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there's buildings, but what's funny, man? Like you'll drive down the street, and there, there will be buildings all around you, big buildings in, in Atlanta, but they're covered with trees. Everything's covered, and it's very hilly. So you wouldn't even know you're in the midst of this city. It's this, you know, it's a pretty big city. It's not huge, but it's a pretty big city. But you don't even realize it because you're surrounded by the, all these trees. The, the landscape, I mean, I've never been to Scotland, but I've always heard it's very green over there. So I'm imagining. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah, I've just recently moved back from Scotland to Manchester. So Okay. So, yeah. yeah. yeah so. I think it's, it'd be similar to that. I, I don't know. I, I can't say from experience. I would love to see Scotland and all that stuff. That would be amazing. Oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful place. Beautiful place. One of these days. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Check out the UK, go to Manchester, Scotland, both brilliant. 
Yeah, I'd love to see Manchester. I, if if we go, how far is Manchester from London? Uh, it's about drive. It's about four hours. Really? Maybe so, maybe five. What I'm about public transport? Uh, yes, uh, yeah, it's about the same on really? a train. Okay. About four hours, I think. Correct me in the chat if I'm wrong, guys. But <laughs> uh, Jonathan Finch says five-ish. Wow, yeah, it's yeah, that far. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that far. Because I was going to say, like, if uh, if me and Tiff go over there, it would be it would be cool to do to do like London and then see Manchester and kind of just you know hop around. But to do that, we'd probably have to be there for like a week. So maybe that's what we we'll do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Spend a week in the UK. There's plenty of places to see Liverpool as well. Oh do yeah. The Beatles tour. <laughs> I would do it. I would love that. That would be amazing. Mm. And just do different meetups everywhere. Uh, you know, just uh, just soak in the culture. Like I've only traveled abroad a couple times, but when I do, I like to meet up with people from that place. I don't want to be with a bunch of tourists. I want to meet with you know actual people from that yeah. place and mix it up with them and go to real places. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. Well, you're welcome in Manchester anytime, dude. So we'll do it, brother. You can teach me definitely. some of your definitely. some of your. Songs. I love you guys when you drink. Now, let me ask you this. Is it a stereotype? Is it fake that you guys, when you go to the pub, do you drink Do you drink and sing songs, or is that just something from the movies? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it depends on the pub. Okay, people. okay. Um, um, you go to a soccer match, well, you call it soccer, we call it football. You go to a football match, then it's singing all, all day long, right. and you're going in the pubs before... And you're singing, and you're going in the pubs after, and you're singing. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. So, Dude, that's what I want to do. I want to go over there. I'll go over there to cover a, a boxing match, of course, but I want to go to a football game over there. But you got to tell me oh, yeah. who, I, who I'm who i not supposed to root for, because I'll probably piss people off if I say the wrong team <laughs> and start some big fight, and I don't want to get arrested while I'm over there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I support Manchester City. Okay. And um, most Americans think there's only one team in Manchester, which Manchester is Manchester United. United so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ignorant Americans. So. Yeah. Hey, I knew so about Manchester City. I knew about, so you got to give me a little bit of credit. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, cheers, cheers, Mike. Anyway, uh, I'll get off now, and uh, if you've got another call or anything. No, cheers to you, brother. Have a good night. We're going to wrap this up anyway. So, yeah, um, take care, brother. I'll speak to you soon. You too, man. Cheers. Right. Bye. There he goes. Chris on the chat. All right, guys. Um, all right, man, this was fun, man. I- I'm going to do this more, guys. You know, like, it's awesome to, uh, you know, I love doing my podcast every Monday because you guys can look forward to that. It's You guys know on Monday you're going to get that show, right? But I like doing stuff like this, too. And now that I got the studio set up, I can come in here and just let it rip. So uh, this was a lot of fun, man. We'll definitely do this more and more and more if you guys enjoyed it. If you didn't enjoy it that much, then I'll do less of it. If you did enjoy it, I'll do more of it. Either way, um, oh, yeah, I see you guys in the chat digging it. Giovanni Flores with the Super Chat. Thank you very, very much. He says, Mike, can you please upload all your stuff to the podcast? I think you mean the audio portion. Do you guys want this on, like, iTunes? I don't know if this would translate well to iTunes. If you think it will, then, uh, then yeah, absolutely, dude. I'll, I'll upload this. 
if you guys want this stuff on the, the you know the audio version on Spotify, iTunes, and all that, let me know. And I have uh, the software now where I can record this the audio live as I go, and we can pump it out there too. So just let me know. But um, all right, guys, I'm going to jump off the chat here. We'll be going for a while. I really appreciate it, guys. I love you guys, man. It, I love getting on here and being able to talk with you guys. And the coolest part is there's people from around the world on this chat, not just like people that I know back in LA that I used to hang out with there, but like all over the world. That's the coolest part. So it's awesome that we get to uh, check in like this all the time. So let's see. Boxings first says, check my channel, Mike. Any feedback would be awesome. All right, brother, I'll do that. I'll check your stuff out. All right, guys, uh, have a great weekend. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Monday, Tune in for TNC, all right? I'll see you then.